seemed like a, a combination of two different scenes from um fuck. Uh Tom Hanks. Top Gun? Nope. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, Saving Private Ryan? No, uh he's the guy. Oh, Force Gun. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. We are recording after we had the race in Miami. As always, I am your host, Ian, with my co-host. I'm Marco. And Marco, what did we think of the race? I mean, honestly, it's just it's great to be back with my awesome co-host, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, I forgot. I'm sorry. I thought I was talking to somebody else. I'm sorry about that. What is your name, sir? Paolo Bancaro. <laughs> Hearing Paolo Bancaro say his own name was... What what a ridiculous way to start off that race. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the highlight of it, is watching Brundle. I mean, I've seen him kind of struggle on those grid walks, but this was an all-timer. Like, he looked like a lost puppy. Uh, honestly, I, I think I know a, a problem and a solution for this is where they need, like, a scout out there, like, in the background, kind of, like finding people radioing in saying like hey we got venus williams in a white dress near the williams car uh because there was multiple times this last weekend where he was being like hello sir you look very interesting who are you and he's like this guy's like uh why are you talking to me i'm not gonna talk to you uh it, it kind of reminded me like it's like if you were a new coworker and you got too drunk at like the christmas office party and you just started walk, like wandering around winging it thinking you knew who people were like, hey, Karen. And she's like, I'm Susan. And you're like, oh, okay. All right, I'll see you later. Cringy and painful. He's like, oh, I'm Susan. And what do you do, Susan? <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> Let me, I love your dress. I, uh, and last time that he struggled with that, what was it, Megan the Stallion thing, that was in Austin. So he just has bad luck in America, I guess, huh? Yeah, I think he has to check that guest list a couple times prior to, to the grid walks. In fairness, like there were so many celebrities and there like people were retweeting celebrities from uh, like people I follow on Twitter were retweeting celebrities who were on the grid. And I'm like, look, I'm American. I like I would think I kind of know our culture and I have no idea who you are. So like, you know, not not completely out of the question that he could get somebody wrong. But yeah, was that that was a that was a tough, tough start to the race. for Brian. Yeah, I think pa- Paolo Bencaro was like 6'10". And Patrick Holmes is like six one, six two. So I mean, there's like it's not like they're they're really like they look too alike in my opinion. But I mean, maybe it's just me. I mean, Martin Brundle's got to be what like four foot eleven. So yeah, <laughs> anyone <laughs> above like six foot is like giant. Uh, all right, well, um, let's get let's get into it. Today's episode we have good, bad, and ugly. We'll talk about the race and our race recap. Let out our inner poets with our race haikus and then finish up with our race predictions recap. So let's get started. Marco, give me your good, bad, ugly. My good is going to be the hunt for P1 and the constructors is, I think, officially upon us. Red Bull had yeah. been chipping away quite nicely ever since their first two races that were kind of a disaster uh, started the year. Now a mere six-point lead for the Constructors, and Charles with just a 19-point lead over Max. 
after Spain, I mean, we could easy, very easily see a new leader at the top of the standings. So um, I think it was just a matter of time until this happened. And now we're in that, like, where it could be flip-flopping every single week. Finally, that Red Bull caught up. My bad is, maybe it's just me not paying much attention, but where the fuck has Toto been? I think in past years, we'd always get a pretty heavy amount of Toto, some Toto B-roll in the paddock, having him hop on the mic for a little bit. I just feel like this year we have not seen too much. I mean, I've seen some like after race quotes from him and everything, but I feel like the only people or the only person that they're really bringing in is Christian every single race that they talk about during the race. But I I do miss Toto's voice. Like he's just like a a much more enjoyable, in my opinion, person to, to hear listen to. And I just feel like we have been missing a ton. And I don't know if it's F1 saying like, move along, old man, you guys aren't relevant anymore. Or Toto saying like, put that camera out of my fucking face or I'm going to kill you. Uh, but I just, I just, I miss him a little bit. You know, what's funny is that, you know how sometimes they'll radio into the team principals during the race. Like I think they did it like two or three times with Christian in Miami. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard Toto during the race of you. I, I think maybe a little bit last year or like in years past, but yeah, that's what I like. I really, it feels like all they're, all they're doing is reaching out to Christian, maybe a little bit of like, I think it was Zach Brown, maybe one race, but like every single race, it's for sure Christian. And I think probably Christian is like raising his hand, being, hey, feel free to, like, he just, that dude just <laughs> loves to fucking talk. My DMs are open on the radio here. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's radioing into the F1. He's like, hey, you guys haven't talked to me yet. I got some good <laughs> things to say. Like, oh, he's geez, just text, texting the broadcasters, being like, hey, uh, you up? We still good? <laughs> yeah, you up? That you up text. Uh, and then my ugly is going to be turns 14 and 15. So the chicane being, uh, the chicane beginning at these turns was pretty much the biggest gripe drivers had this weekend. Uh, first as a fan, personally, it was pretty odd because it was like sat under that highway, uh, which was, took me a little bit while to get used to seeing that, like seeing them go under that road. I saw a couple like semis driving over it. So uh, that was, I was like, do we have a new fucking, like, I thought it was death race where they have that, like that special tank that comes out and blows up cars. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like kind of confused that sometimes seeing cars on top of that being like, I, are they going to merge? Uh, so that took as a fan, took me a while to get used to, but, um, it, they were saying often the drivers, anyone saying if a driver hit one of those curbs, they were just flying back and forth. And this is where Carlos got in that big crash. Uh, it seems like down the road, this should be a pretty easy fix for them, but, uh, that was definitely the, I would say the ugliest part of the weekend for the drivers. Uh, and, uh, outside of that, it seemed like the drivers really enjoyed the track actually. No, I, I, those turns were pretty brutal. I think Esteban, that was the one that Esteban rammed into, right? During, uh, during P3. I mean, I'm honestly the most surprised is that Latifi was able to avoid that. That's true. Underrated. That had his name. That was like the, the Latifi chicane. <laughs> they rename it after him. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, my turn for our good, bad, and ugly. My good, I'm going to start out with our Filipino boy, Alex Albon's hair. Okay, so stay with me here. Alex Albon dyed his hair red in Melbourne, right? And that was the race that he went from P20 all the way up to p10 when they were really only expecting to get like p17 as a maximum you know potential um you know it was lightening up a little bit the color was kind of coming out in italy and he finished outside the points in p11 so he re-dyed it ahead of this weekend and finished with the p9 so he's got three points total thanks to that hair you know two out of the last three races he's finished in the points in a pretty i mean uh, you know 
we, we can agree that it's probably the biggest shitbox on the grid. Um, I think because of this random luck with red hair dye, he should double down and grow a beard, dye that red, paint his body red, you know, get Williams back on the podium like George did last year, but it's going to cost a lot of red. I think he just turns his race suit red. Like, you know, it's he, he's got a super, super double down. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely good. Uh, scoring two, you know, scoring points in two out of the last three races in a Williams, just very, very impressive. And um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in the next couple of, you know, next couple of races, we start hearing rumors about Albon. Maybe not up to Red Bull, but like, you know, up to one of the top teams eventually. Is just like, a, hey, if you keep performing at this level, then you know, eventually you can, you know, we'll, we'll give you a shot somewhere. Maybe like every single birthing tub around him, he just jumps into. Yeah, no, I think like I think there's a service for that, like birthing tubby or something like that. Get that red all over them, the, those juices flowing. That must be like high tide at the Omaha Beach or whatever Crete said in the office. My bad. Uh, helmets on the podium. Like, <laughs> last episode we talked about how the drivers, like, while they are, you know, unquestionably at the top of their sport, especially the guys who, you know, get on the podium, obviously, um, they've been proven to not really be great at other sports. So, you know, during, you know, during the lead up to the race, Max and Checo were in, uh, was it the Tampa Bay Rays stadium that they were in or the Miami Marlins stadium? And they were throwing the base, they were throwing baseballs, essentially throwing first pitches. They were both looking like they were throwing with their non-dominant hand, just, you know, had no clue what the motion was supposed to look like. Last year, George shooting a basketball looked like someone who just simply didn't understand the concept of how to shoot a basketball. Look, like, just keep the sports separate. We don't need them putting on football helmets during the podium celebration looking like absolute dorks. Like, let's learn from our marketing mistakes here. But the saving grace was the picture that we will always have of the Carlos Sainz salute with the helmet on like I don't know what this what a salute and football helmet have like in common that that's what he like that's what his move was but just yeah I guess like but just a hilarious picture it's on the Eaton Asphalt Instagram if you want to check that out give us a follow it seemed like a, a combination of two different scenes from um fuck uh Tom Hanks Top Gun nope Tom Hanks Tom Hanks, Saving Private Ryan. No, uh, he's the guy. Oh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it seemed like two different scenes from. Jesus Christ! What did you say? <laughs> Forrest Gump. Are you okay? <laughs> I feel like Forrest Gump. <laughs> it seemed like two separate scenes from Forrest Gump. You know, where he's Alabama yeah. football team right there, and then he's going off to war at the same time. He's like, "See ya." <laughs> You know, in, that's kind of how it reminds And they had that, like, goofy face on it. It very much seemed like Old Forest to me. Right, yeah. Forrest got, like, playing Alabama football, going to war, and then, like, on his on his journey, he just stops by <clears throat> and gets an F1 podium. I think that's, like, that's exactly what Forrest got movie. That was actually like. a deleted scene, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> and my ugly, as much as it pains me to say it, I, I mean, I'm sure that this has been my ugly before, but uh, McLaren. So after getting a podium last weekend, they were like, you know, good vibes. Lando, I think that was a very unexpected podium for them. Um, you know, the boys were hanging out with James Corden during the weekend. They were wearing their McLaren crop tops to fit the Miami vibe. Things were just like looking up. Like as a McLaren fan, I was getting kind of excited. And then Lando gets taken out. Danny finishes closer to the last place car than he does to the points. 
Alpha Romeo are creeping up behind them. Alpha closed the gap by 10 points, down to just 15 points behind them. Um, you know, they were 25 coming into the weekend, and that's even with like a Zhou Guan Yu DNF. So vibes are very much in need of a pick-me-up after this weekend. Uh, and as an overreacting McLaren fan, I think Spain just kind of feels like a make or break, like at least for the first part of the season, like for the first half. Um, and, you know, I'm just like worried, like ge- like genuinely worried. It just like seems like they can't get it right. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes in Spain for sure. No more James Corden anywhere near the boys for the rest of the season. I'm not positive that he's like a bad omen, but that's just not a, a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, it was a little cringy at times uh, watching <laughs> watching his antics. He was really going in it for some for some uh, clickbait stuff. So uh, I call him the orange papuyas actually now. Oh, nice! Don't thank you. Do that, man. You know that hurts my feelings. All right, and moving on from our good, bad, and ugly, let's get into our race recap. So let's start with practice and qualifying. Uh, Marco, why don't you take this one? I would love to. Uh, starting off, I know we had just mentioned this, but yeah, practicing qualifying, Carlos Sainz had another rough start. So, I mean, he had been having a couple DNFs, having some crashes the last couple of weeks. Starting off this weekend, not very strong in the free practice. Gotten a big crash around that chicane. Turned it around, though, and Ferrari locked out the front row for Sunday. So uh, props to him for figuring that out. Props to the team for uh, fixing up that car a little bit uh, in short notice. Uh, everyone had been talking about the Mercedes package coming in this weekend. Uh, they did look stronger. George called 12th. So uh, while they look stronger, you know, the performance wasn't great out of him for calls. Uh, asking Lewis at the end of the weekend, he thought that they didn't really improve much at all. There were some quotes kind of after the fact that said, you know, I think he kind of backtracked saying, you know, we are going the right direction, just not, you know, we'll get there eventually. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just it's maybe it's a matter of time. It's just uh, taking a lot longer than a lot of people thought there. Um, and then Valtteri Bottas just cooking, finishing fifth in quals. So uh, awesome. he has been he's been lights out. I think he has blown everyone's expectations out at his time in Alfa Romeo. Uh, so I mean, it has been awesome to see him flourish and like be the guy for the first time in maybe his career in Formula One. And then uh, we have that other crash that we wanted to talk about. I think the other big highlight there was Esteban slamming into the wall before qualifying 51 Gs of contact. So uh, then turns it around and goes from last into the point. So huge turnaround for him this weekend. I think 51 Gs was around the same as Max running into uh, the British Grand Prix when Lewis uh, and him made that contact last year. So, yeah, pretty, pretty intense there. Um, I think that pretty much does it, I think, for practice and qualifying, kind of the, the big talking points. Uh, as typical, it was the, you know, Ferrari, Ferrari, Red Bull, Red Bull. So, you know, a little surprising that Max didn't get on that front row, but um, obviously it did not affect him too much in the race on Sunday. Yeah, first time that uh, that Ferrari had a front row lockout, I think, since 2019. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, the Tifosi might have gotten a little excited, but, you know, obviously Max came to ruin the day. But um you know let's let's talk honestly the for me like the biggest point that you just mentioned was that Valtteri um finishing p5 like that guy it's good to see him like have the talent that got him that mercedes seat in the first place 
he's just he's in, he's in a, like very impressive driver, and I think it's just like when you have that big of a shadow as you know uh, like cast over you. Uh, having your teammate be Lewis Hamilton, like it makes sense that you'd get a little forgotten about. But yeah, man, o- overall, like pretty entertaining, entertaining qualifying and entertaining practices with some unfortunate crashes. But uh, staying on Valtteri and Alfa Romeo, they are fifth place constructor right now. 31 points total. Valtteri with a P7 finish and Joe Guan Yu with a DNF uh, pretty early on in the race. So yeah, Valtteri. You know, qualifying was awesome. Race was awesome, just with like one mistake when the Mercedes, when both Mercedes were kind of breathing down his neck. I think it was like around five laps left in the race. Like he was, he was in for a really, really good finish, uh, and then just kind of like had a had a mistake where to get it back. I think he, I don't know if he like barely touched the wall or if he just missed it, but you know, kind of cut cut the points that he was going to get. Um, and then, like, the only other thing I have on Alpha is that Guan Yu just seemed a little spicy with the team after his side of the garage just really did not get it right all weekend. Like, they, you know, they, they had some problems. I think it was uh, it was either overheating or there was something wrong with, like, the brake ducts where, um, you know, it was just like, hey, are we going to be able to fix this by race time? And obviously the engineers were like, yeah, it's going to be fine. And then, obviously, he has to retire. And Joe Guan Yu was just like, you know, as he got told, that he's like, hey, we, we, you know, we need you to come out. Like, day's over. He was like, man, I just can't believe that. And gave me remnants of uh, old Yuki Sonoda back in last year when he was getting a little spicy over the radio. So, yeah, seeing rookies seeing rookies have some, uh, you know, some some force behind their words is, is kind of nice. Like, it shows that, you know, they're, they're there for a reason, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I fully agree there. Uh, moving to McLaren in our fourth place, 46 points, Daniel Ricciardo, P13, Lando, Nor- Lando Norris did not finish. Tell me if you've heard this before. Just another tough weekend for McLaren. I, I feel like it's just it, it's a flip of the coin. I feel like on weekends on how they actually end up doing most of the time. Yeah, I think you have to flip the coin like four times on heads for Danny to actually have a strong weekend. But <laughs> yeah. sometimes you'll get them every now and then. Uh, Lando, yeah, it's kind of a 50-50 draw on, on what you see from him. Uh, he did have some sass towards the end with Pierre since they kind of Pierre took him out of the race. I know he was just basically saying, like, you know, if if Pierre's intent was to, you know, call it quits and leave the race, it was like a pretty silly move that he he was making there and um, didn't really agree with it. I did not hear if Pierre had any thoughts towards his comment or towards the crash itself, but um, I, I think I kind of tend to agree with Lando. It, it was more towards Pierre than anything. Uh, just unfortunate for him. Who knows what? Uh, I mean, do you remember where he was at when when that crash happened? They were in the points. I want to say like eight. There yeah, or so. it was like towards the, yeah, right. And you, you, there was at times Danny was kind of playing up towards like the the back end of the points as well. It's just like you know, it was usually when most people had pit and he hadn't, and then it was just like a matter of time. Yeah, um, the the Pierre thing was like the the funniest thing to come from that was like Pierre's radio right when that happened like he was fighting a battle with Alonso right ahead of time like right when like ahead of when that crash with Lando happened um and he was like hey guys I can't see you the car oop and like between the him talking and the oops um <laughs> that was when that was when Lando hit him so like that that's quality radio if you want to go back and listen to that but yeah it's tough to be a McLaren fan, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, Mercedes has been shit in the bed. Like, from a technical standpoint, I feel like that would have been an easy, like, go for uh, P3 and the constructors. But now, you know, the uh, the Papaya has about less than half as many points as Mercedes do. So, big, big hill to climb here. 
Um, and speaking of Mercedes, 95 points for the Silver Arrows in P3 in the Constructors' Championship. Lewis Hamilton finishing P6. George Russell f- just overtaking Lewis Hamilton toward the end of the race to pick up a P5 and keep that streak alive of finishing top five in every single race. The only driver to do so, which is still very, very impressive. So um, he did have a little bit of lady luck on his side. I think he, you know, the radio of him when he was talking about strategy with his garage was, you know, they were like, hey, what should we do here? And he was like, hey, let's just stay out. Let's hope for a safety car. Um, and it didn't really seem like he was going to get one, but finally it kind of came at the right time. So that was a lucky call. Um, I don't think George is necessarily clairvoyant. I just think it's like, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was you got to roll the dice sometimes. And when you do that, it works out. So um, the um, big point for Mercedes, though, is there seems to be some tension growing between Lewis and his garage. So like, you know, Lewis, right when that safety car happened, <clears throat> they were asking him like, hey, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to come in? Do you want to stay out? And Lewis had some sass back to them being like, hey, look, you guys are the ones that know the gaps, you know, behind me, in front of me. Like, you guys should be telling me what I should be doing, right? Not just, like, letting me decide. I can only see the, the gap in front of me and behind me. Um, so he was, he was kind of mad at them. Thought about this for a while, and then I hopped on some Twitter spaces and was just chatting with some F1 folks, and they were like, hey, like, it is very rational for the team to ask him, like, hey, like, would you want to come in or would you want to stay out? Because I think it was Turkey last year where, you know, they, they, they asked him to come in, and he was like, no, 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 I'm going to stay out. So it's like, you know, he he's probably one of the only drivers on the grid who is experienced enough and talented enough to be like, hey, I actually know more than you guys, even though you have all the data. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like there, you know, it, it showed a little bit of, a, of a discord between um, the, you know, the, the Mercedes garage and Lewis. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. It just seems things things don't look great for uh, for Mercedes competing with either of the two top teams right now. Um, just, you know, given that there's a I mean, what is that like a 56 point uh, 56 point gap between the two of them? So, yeah, they're you know, the best they can do is probably P3 unless like they see massive improvement. But yeah, it's it's uh, you know P three is not where the silver arrows are used to be uh, to being in the in the constructors. Yeah, I will play a little devil's advocate because I feel last year at the end of last year there was a lot of moves that I actually was disagreeing with that Mercedes was taking on on Lewis whether he should stay out whether you know if Red Bull went in like they just followed them on suit even though he had much more pace and some disagreements and and Lewis was being vocal during that time too it's just been like hey i don't agree with this so i like while i do think it's not the same situation it seems like this isn't like out of the realm of like we shouldn't be shocked that lewis is doing this because like it, it we have seen this before yeah I, I guess that's fair well moving right along we got red bull at our number two a close number two with Verstappen, P1, Sergio with P4, 151 points, the constructor. Uh, Red Bull just pretty much had uh, a better package this weekend. I know in quals it didn't show it with uh, a 3-4 showing, but uh, I think Max was, you know, a hundredth of a second behind Carlos for that uh, P2 spot in quals. They went with like a little different package, so they had a lot less downforce on the car compared to Ferrari. Uh, allowed them to be a lot faster in the straights, uh, which you could see towards the end. I think that that race, as we were saying, like maybe it was just our perspective, but uh, of what they were showing us. But it was getting a little boring. That yellow car came out. 
gave us a little bit more hope of maybe making it a closer race. And there was about three or four laps of potentially car, uh, potentially Charles coming back and, and making a push. But you could just tell that during those straights, he, he really started to, to push away. And, you know, those last couple laps was just a no contest for him. They are looking like the favorites for the constructors, but uh, there have been some rumors about them spending a little too much money too quickly with uh, consistent um, upgrades with the new cost cap. I, I know even uh, Ferrari have been saying, you know, we've been purposely waiting and pushing back to for uh, an upgrade specifically to get, you know, a couple weeks under the car, see exactly what we need to do, how to do it right. And so theirs is coming in Spain. Uh, he rumors have it it should be like three tenths off uh quicker two kilograms lighter so i think it's just been a pretty different strategy it's been a pretty different strategy between the two teams of how they are upgrading their cars and kind of the future uh it, it might be kind of the the patient guy wins the race and um patience is a virtue but uh only time will tell we'll see how much this cap actually is going to affect these teams and towards the end of the season yeah that'll be interesting i think Mattia binotto is definitely crossing his fingers behind his back hoping that they just run out of money and then it's just like yeah like you said the the hopefully the patience will will kind of persevere for them the only other thing i had here was sergio perez chatting with his uh with his radio guys about him losing time he's like hey guys i'm losing power i'm losing power and they're like, like you're uh, good we just checked you're you're all good he's like what the fuck do you <laughs> mean i'm all good he's like i'm losing three seconds a lap here like that's not good so yeah, I, I think uh, Helmut Marco came out later and said, "Hey, there's a you know there was a little bit of a, I think like a sensor issue um, that caused them to not necessarily be able to like you know see exactly what was going on and and so yeah they thought everything was all right really wasn't but uh, you know I think they changed the strat on the engine and then it, it ended up working out okay but yeah man I'm I'm excited because you know two races ago I didn't really think that we would have a, a you know, P1 and P2 racing the constructors this early in the season. I figured, like, it would, you know, come around eventually. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, five races in and having six points of a difference between P2 and P1 and the constructors just makes for for entertaining stuff. So uh, let's move on to our P1 and the constructors maintaining their top, at their top spot on the grid. Ferrari, 157 points. Like I said, six points ahead of their rivals, Red Bull. Um, Charles Leclerc P2, Carlos Sainz P3, so Max on top of the podium, and then the rest was just Ferraris in those football helmets. Um, just, just, just a step, just a barely a step behind Red Bull this weekend. I think they were talking in the press conference after the race, and they're like, "Hey, what were the differences between your car and the red and the Red Bull?" And Max Verstappen jutted in and was like, "Just the color, basically. Like, it, you know, it was it was just basically a very similar car." But I think if you were to ask the Ferrari engineers, they would admit that there was just a you know a tiny tiny percentage uh, of a performance gap bet- behind Red Bull, which kind of like caused the them not to be at the top of the podium. Um, and then like, I think, I do think that this race, like I think Red Bull had a better package. I think the race could have gone differently um, if Carlos didn't get passed on that first lap. Like it was, it, it was just like too hard to recover from, especially if they're fighting for P1. Like let's say Carlos uh, doesn't get passed. Charles still in uh, P1. Like, Carlos, at the very least, could maybe back Max up a little bit to give Charles, like, that extra little gap. Like, not saying that it it definitely would have worked, but just kind of, like, right at the beginning when I saw Max overtake Carlos, it was like, okay, well, like... You know, if if there's gonna be trouble, then that's you know, then that didn't do anything to, to remedy it. So yeah, the you know, 
Can't say that it was a very unfortunate weekend for for the Tifosi, just because you know P two and P three, especially if you th- if you if you think about like the last couple years, the fact that Tifosi is not thrilled with a P two P three like shows how far they've come. But but yeah, just some you know potentially some points squandered, I think. And uh, you know looking at Spain, Carlos's home race coming up this uh, this next round, I think is going to be kind of you know just just like McLaren, like it's it's going to going to be a difference maker because with only six points behind like this for you know red bull is absolutely within striking distance here yeah yeah i couldn't agree more and uh yeah i think these back-to-backs here and then monaco are going to be some thrilling and it's going to be very interesting to see what we go and what kind of the table looks like going into it and and what it looks like going out so uh very excited for these next couple weeks all right, so just some other tidbits that we, we noticed outside of those top five. There were 45 overtakes this race. So most of the entire season, I think along with us, everyone else was just saying how boring it was. So, I mean, I would I, when I saw this, uh, I was shocked at the fact that there was actually 45 overtakes. I missed maybe like 44 of them, it feels yeah. like. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I, I don't know where these were happening. Uh, t- like, if it was kind of towards the back of the grid and they were just kind of going, like, back and forth. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a shocking surprise on, on that of, of actually how much action was going on in this race. Yeah, I, w- I was talking to a friend about this, and, and and he said, like, yeah, it was – they had the first – they had the Verstappen overtake on Carlos at the on the first lap, and then they replayed that, like, for, for – you know, from basically the end of the first lap for, like, the – you know, into, into the third lap almost. It was like, hey, guys, there's still action to be shown. So, yeah, I think it, this would be a race that warrants, like, going back and watching it again just to see what the TV coverage, like, did not show us because, you know, they were just, like, showing – uh, you know, they were showing cutaways to the fans, like, so, you know, fans freaking out. And it's kind of like almost like an NFL game where there were like that kind of coverage where it was like, hey, guys, like this isn't, you know, you can't cut away as much as you can in an NFL game. But yeah, that was just interesting to see. And then uh, rumor has it, I don't know if you saw this there, Marco, but uh, the race VIPs were not very happy with the experience. So like there were long lines, even for the race VIPs, not great hospitality, like just not an overall like good experience that you would say, hey, I, you know, if it comes back to Miami, I definitely want to do that again. So, was, you know, if you're paying for a $10,000 ticket, like that's not really what you want to hear. And I was thinking about this, like the company I work for um, sent, you know, sent some top executives and some top like client executives to the race. And it's like, that's not what you want. Uh, because, you know, you, you don't want to hear people like who are you know, probably like some, you know, higher ups in marketing for enterprise companies. Like you, you don't want them to have a bad experience if they are like potential, you know, in, not investors, uh, sponsors. And so like, you know, I think there was, there was a little bit of talk about that on Twitter and then like some follow up being like, Hey, you know, I can, you know, I, I can vouch for this. Like the people who I talked to that went and paid very top dollar just to see some cars go around a track, like. Uh, you know, they, they were not necessarily happy. So just a, just another little rapid fire ditty. Yeah, I think another one that I wanted to throw on there. Uh, so we saw a lot of discussion, specifically with Lewis, a little bit with Seb as well, um, having fun <laughs> yeah. at this. But uh, yeah, the, the race directors made a jewelry and like clothing type of a ban. Uh, Vettel recently came out and, and kind of agreed that the jewelry ban was targeted towards Lewis. Uh, Lewis, you know, fighting that wore three watches for 
four necklaces, you know, just went all out. And he was like, if they're going to do something about this and not let me race, then so be it. Uh, Vettel, on the other hand, uh, was wearing his uh, overalls and or was wearing his jumpsuit and was just wearing whitey tidies, uh, uh, some Hanes <laughs> underwear on the outside of it, just walking around, uh, which is extremely entertaining too. So I think it would have been awesome to see one of them, if not both of them, uh, get get booted and not be able to race, especially Vettel. If they're like, hey, you can't wear your underwear outside of your, your jumpsuit, <laughs> so uh, you can't race this weekend. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just – I never understood this, like, no matter what sport. But, like, why are adults telling other adults what, like, jewelry they can or cannot wear? And it's not like we've seen photos of any of the drivers wearing, like, obnoxious massive stuff going on where there's like hey we need to put a hold on this like it's not like they're walking around sagging pants and like you know a fifty thousand dollar just massive gold chain around their necks like i i didn't understand the need for this rule to be implemented i totally agree like they they're they're pointing to safety as being like the reason that this like has to happen and it's like okay tell like explain to me the explain to me any situation where Lewis's jewelry gets in the way of him being safe. Like, that's that's just, like, out of my realm of comprehension. Um, and, yeah, I guess he, like, as it stands right now, he has, like, a, like a two-race exemption from this rule. And right now he's just being like, look, it's, like, you can come and take it at this point. Like, if you, if you, if you don't want me to race, then some of this stuff he has is, like, in his body. Like, what, like some of the piercings he has don't come yeah. out. So, like, what do you want him to do with that? And and what is the big deal? Yeah, it's just adults trying to police adults in a way that's just like, hey, we, it's important for, like, here's the thing. Obviously, safety is important, but it's important to, to, like, to follow the, like, safety rules to a T if, if they are, like, rational rules. And so, like, if they're not rational rules and people stop following them, I think that opens up the door for, like, other rules that are rational and, like, in, you know, in the best interest of the driver's safety to also not get followed. So I don't know. It just, it seems like a big clusterfuck where it's like, Hey guys, there are much, much more important things. Um, especially in the, you know, in the vein of safety that we can focus on. One of them being like you mentioned, turn, uh, you know, that, that 14, 15 turn, um, where Esteban had, you know, 51, uh, G impact on the wall. It's like, Hey, that's a, that's a no brainer. Like put some, put some padding on that wall or something like yeah, that. Yeah, You fix this first and then I'll, think about removing my jewelry but i think this is a safety on your end that you guys gotta fix before you tell me that i can't have like a nose ring yeah but imagine if esteban were wearing earrings can you imagine how bad that have been <laughs> i mean that car would have exploded i'm pretty sure <laughs> caught fire all right well that does it for our race recap uh moving right along we have our race haiku so obviously it was a, a light a nice race recap but we're going to sum it up all in a very eloquent form of grammar that we love to to do so ian would you like to to show us how it's done i will so my haiku is funniest gridwalk eat shit tv director bad race coverage i like that very nice thank you mine is going to be chicane was shalame was the Met Gala of sports, bull faster than horse. Oh, I like that <laughs> last one. You got some metaphors in there, some literary yeah. elements. Good for you. <laughs> and let's wrap up with our race predictions here. Uh, Marco, 
having having more luck than I am. So uh, yeah, why don't you why don't you recap the race predictions that you got right? Okay, yeah, I uh, so I went with who do we think will crash or DNF? Uh, we got old Sebastian Vettel making it there. And then the race winner, Max. So it got a, a total of two points on these race predictions. Nice. And I, um, with the wild card prediction, it was funny because Seb went out, which got you your point for who do you think will crash or DNF. And then I got my point because that was the fourth car that would retire from the race. And that was my prediction of exactly four cars retiring from the race. So gave both of us a point. As it stands today, Marco, uh, six points. Ian, eight points, so still a close race. We are, uh, I guess in this situation, I'm Ferrari and you're the Red Bull. What a nice change of pace. Yeah, but I just smell blood in the water, you know, coming for you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. As always, we appreciate everybody massively for listening. Any last words before we wrap it up, Marco? I do not. No, we have another little mini break and then we're back after it, a little back-to-back. Maybe we do like a maybe we do a story this time around uh, during during the race preview. I'd love a little little story time. Yeah. yeah, a little story time never hurt nobody. Perfect. Well, we will see everybody shortly. Thanks again for listening. See you, assholes. See you, assholes. <laughs>